2: This podcast contains discussions that some listeners may find distressing or triggering. Please use your discretion. Hello and welcome to Reclaim Me. My name is Madeline Heather, and today I'm joined by a wonderful Australian guest named Belle. Welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good, I'm good, excited. I'm very excited as well to have you on. So, you recently reached out to me after listening to Zoe's episode, is that right?
3: Yeah, Zoe is a friend of a friend. Um, I've met her once before and yeah, I, I stumbled across um, your Instagram and your podcast um, when she posted a little story saying just um, recorded an episode, and I had a look and was like, "Oh wow, this is amazing!" So I reached out like straight away, um, and yeah, got got talking to you. So I'm very keen, very keen to be here.
2: Yes, I love that so much, and it's so good to see that you know the importance of sharing these things and the importance of talking about it because. You know, if, even if it's just one person that sees it, that finds value in it, they might find value in the podcast or in networking. It's just so important just so that we can provide a space for survivors to feel like they're not alone.
3: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I've been kind of slowly making my way through the previous episodes and yeah, they've just been amazing. They're all so different. And um, yeah, I found that a bit of everyone kind of sticks with me, and I can relate to. So, yeah, it's um, it's a really cool thing they're doing, I'm really happy that I've stumbled across it. And the whole um, Facebook group for survivors is just incredible. I've joined that, and it's just like an amazing space that I've never been a part of something like that before. And it's, I'm so glad that I've found it now. I'm sad I haven't hadn't found it sooner. <laughs> um, but yeah, really happy to have stumbled across it.
2: Yeah, I wish that I had it when I was younger as well. And it's so validating, I think, to see and hear. I had this wonderful woman reach out to me over the weekend and she just said how important it was for her to have somebody say that not everybody wants justice. Um, and that gave her validity and it was like, oh, like you know, you, you never know the things that you say and what's going to resonate with people. But just the fact that we're speaking about it means that there's chance that it might and it might help somebody. So it's just a wonderful thing to be a part of
3: yeah, that's, that's, um, definitely something I can relate to what she says. I'm sure we'll touch on that in a, a little bit later, but yeah, can definitely relate to that. Cause every story is different. Everyone's different and everybody's got a different take on it. So,
2: yeah, absolutely. So you did get in touch with me because you do have a story, um, to share about your experience. Do you mind telling us where you were when this began?
3: Yeah. So, um, I'm 23 now. Um, this incidence assault kind of happened when I was um, freshly 18 so I turned 18 a couple of months um, before this and it was February and it was my friend's birthday kind of like drinks she'd gotten an apartment in the city I was really excited like she was a friend from school so we weren't super close but you know, were close enough that I was invited. So I was really keen. I She was the only person I really knew um, that was going to be there. So I kind of, you know, got dressed up. I was feeling good. Um, I remember it was white night in the city, you know, that crazy busy night in the city. It was white night. So I caught the train in, walked into the um, apartment building that she was, you know, she'd got for the night. And, um, yeah, she was there. There was quite a few people there. She was um she's friends with a lot of kind of DJ kind of people and um they weren't really my crowd but um you know I was happy to be there and everything. Um and so yeah the night kind of just started off with drinks at the apartment. Um and I I drank I think I I think I was doing like vodka shots and I was drinking like mimosas and just having like a great time. I was just Keen and we we're gonna we we're gonna go out in the city afterwards. So yeah, like I think I remember drinking there, and I I was hipsy but like I wasn't I wasn't drunk. Like at this point, so when she went, okay, like let's let's head out to the um the club kind of thing. I think we went to some club in the city. I remember walking there, and I remember kind of sitting in one of those booths and then I remember kind of like I remember dancing and I don't remember much else um until kind of what happened so uh evidently we walked home I don't recall this um I still to this day don't know if I was like drugged or anything um kind of I guess we'll get to that in a little bit but I don't remember anything really until um the next thing I know, I, I don't know whether I woke up or I zoned in. Um, I'm not sure whether I was like conscious or I'm not really sure, but the next thing I know, am um, I kind of woke up or zoned in and I was in bed at the, at back at the apartment. Um, and I was like, I, I just, couldn't move it took me a second to kind of figure out what was going on and there was one guy um on top of me having sex with me and then there was another guy kind of up I was lying down he was kind of up near my face kind of trying to force me to give him oral sex so there were these two two guys I'm not even I'm not going to call them men because they weren't and I think that that yeah, they, would, they were boys, like I think they were a similar age to me and they obviously, they just honestly don't, don't deserve to be called men really. Um, and I kind of, yeah, like I think I just froze. I had that typical freeze response, which I've, I've heard you guys talk about and I love that you guys talked about that and are normalising that because it is hard to kind of come to terms with the fact that you – Felt like you couldn't move. Um, I just felt paralysed, and I didn't know whether it was because of the drinking or if I had been spiked or um, anything like that. But yeah, I just couldn't move. And these two guys were guys that I had I had met like when I had got to the apartment. So I had never met them before that night, um, and I didn't I didn't know them at all. And they were these they were two friends of um, this girl, and they were both these DJs and. Um, they were talking to each other um, while this was happening. So it was so casual to them that it is quite obvious to me that this wasn't the first time that they had done this. Um, I remember them talking in another language whilst doing this. Um, I think I later found out that it was like Hebrew, I think, and I don't know whether it was so that I couldn't understand or, yeah, but I remember them talking and I think I remember saying, you know, can you not speak in another language or something? Or can you at least speak English or something like that? And they kind of just kept kept doing what they were doing. And then the guy up kind of near my face who – Funnily enough, well, it's not funny, but, you know, funnily enough, I, I have more resentment towards him than the guy who actually, um, yeah, like who, well, sorry, I'm getting. No, theater. no, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so basically they were talking and um, then I remember the guy up here saying to me, um, are, you, are you done with her now, man? to the one who was on top of me. Um, And I, like, I obviously, I distinctly remember this. So he goes, are you done with her now, man? And then the one who was on top of me said, "Um, yeah, man, you can have her. And obviously, like, that stuck with me. (laughs) Like, it's not really something that you forget. Um, So then the one who was on top of me, like, that went on for a while before that was said. And then he kind of got off me and I guess, like, was just, I was just planning on switching over, I suppose. And then the the one who was up near my face was um, just kind of kept kept doing like what he was doing. And then, um, and then he said to me, he asked me, he said, "Like, are you gonna are you gonna get on top or something like that?" And I just distinctly remember saying, um, "Fuck off!" Like, "Fuck off!" And I I just said, "No, fuck off." And that's all I remember that's all I remember, um, from, from the night. And I'm not really sure if he, I think he stopped after I said, fuck off. Oh, also this, this guy did manage to, you know, um, like force me to give him oral, um, like I wasn't really doing anything, but he was, you know, forcing that upon me. Um, so I guess the next thing I remember is waking up in the morning and yeah I was I was still in that bed I was in the exact same spot Um, and I remember I just felt so hot because the it was in one of these high-rise apartments in the city and the wind the blinds were open and the sun was just streaming in and I was boiling and that's like the first thing I remember feeling it's just really hot Um, and then I realized that I was in between them still. So after they'd, they'd done this, they'd, they'd gone on to sleep either side of me. And I just remember like kind of noticing that I was in between both of them. Re- then kind of going on to realise that um, I, was, I was naked, but I had my, you know, strapless bra was down around my waist. My pants were off. Um, my undies were down like just at my ankles and I think I had like a bandeau kind of top on and that was down around my waist as well. And so, um, yeah, I I got up and at this time, like I want to stress that at this time I kind of, I hadn't realised like what had happened yet. To be honest, I, I, I didn't have a full recollection of what had happened yet and the days going onwards is what, is when I began to remember kind of what had happened. So at this point I kind of had connected the dots. I was like, okay, like I've slept with these people, I think. Um, and in my mind I was like, yeah, I, I slept with them, like whatever it wasn't, it didn't feel like a big deal at that point. And then I got up, I went to the bathroom, splash my face and then everybody else in the apartment, because there was, there was other people in the other rooms and, in the living room, and everybody else kind of started to stir and wake up, and um, we all kind of, you know, got together like in the living room, and everyone was packing up, and we had to check out of this apartment, and um, we were out in the living room about to like leave, and there was like um, there was this other guy who was looking in the fridge, and there was like a red Bull or something in the fridge, and the two guys, um, like my two perpetrators were one of them was saying oh can I like have this um this Red Bull and the other guy this random dude that I didn't know was like um oh yeah you and so and so can share it like you guys love sharing and then I remember kind of like oh haha like that was a bit uncomfortable it's degrading because I because I knew that that was what had happened but I yeah so it was it was really degrading, but just really awkward and uncomfortable, and like everybody knew in the apartment what had happened, but I think nobody knew how it happened or the fact that you know I was unconscious <laughs> so anyway, we proceeded to leave, and um, yeah, I was walking down the street with my the friend whose birthday it was and this other girl. And I think like I had told them, I was just like, yeah, like I don't really remember, but like I think I slept with them and they were like, oh, really? Like, yeah. And I was just like, "Yep." Yeah. And that was kind of the extent of the conversation with those people. And then I went on to leave and I then went and met up with um, like one of my best friends at the time outside of that situation. She didn't know any of those people. And um yeah, like we spent the day together and I was still wearing the same clothes. I was wearing everything that I had worn the night before. And we were just hanging around the city. Like I think we went and sat in the park and we got some lunch and um, I was sitting with her and kind of as the day went on, like it kind of all started coming back to me a little bit. And as it came back to me, I would tell her kind of what happened. And she said to me, she was like, oh, Belle, that um it doesn't seem right that seems that seems really fucked up to be honest and I was just like oh like yeah I guess and like I kind of put two and two together like I didn't actually remember anything until I woke up and it was already happening and um yeah I'm really thankful to her because she was the one who kind of made me realize the extent of it and like what had happened so after I kind of stewed on it for a bit and like remembered all of the um, details and had told her about them, um, I thought, okay, well, I need to tell someone else. Like I think I need to tell my sister Um, because, yeah, like her and I, I don't know if we were super close at this time, but like we were, I felt like I could definitely trust her and I wanted to, I just wanted to share it with somebody because I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, this is, um, this is assault. Like, what are what is, what is the next step? Like what happens here? So I called my sister and, um, you know, she was with friends. So I called her and I basically told her what had happened and she like understood straight away and she got it. Um, and I'm also like so fucking grateful to her because she honestly like just helped me through the next like whole week. Um, she was basically like, okay, we're going to the police tomorrow. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, what? I'm not ready for that. Like, what do you mean? And she was just like, Belle, like, you know, this is what happened. We have to go to the police. And she she didn't want to force me into it, but like, you know, she's my big sister. So, you know, she heard what had happened and she was, you know, she was on it. (laughs) She wanted to, you know, take steps. And, um, so I kind of agreed to it. I was like, well, I've got to work tomorrow. And she was like, you know, cancel your shift. Like, we've got to do this. So she called the police station. Um, she asked them, like, is that something we can, like, come in for? Um, do we just go to our local police station? Like, what do we do? So they were amazing. They actually said, yeah, come in tomorrow, like, bright and early. Um, like, come in at, like, 7 a.m. and talk to us and, and and bring her in and tell tell us what happened. So... I went to bed that night and then the next morning um, I, yeah, like went on down to my local police station in Malvern and I walked in with my sister and, um, yeah, like just proceeded to tell the officer kind of in charge, like at the front desk kind of that we'd called last night and that we wanted to report something that happened and you know it was a male police officer it was quite uncomfortable because you know I'm kind of having like I hadn't really told the story like I'd only really mentioned some stuff to my friend I told her all the details I could remember but it was like it was confronting to go in and talk to this like male police officer and try and tell him um so after I told him, him kind of like what had happened and he understood like what we were wanting to do because we were still in like the main area of like the you know the reception like the police station at this point so he kind of took me into like a back room with my sister she was with me this whole time and um he just kind of he asked me a lot of questions um I told the story again and then you know he'd bring another person in and then I'd have to tell the story again which you know it was um it's not a very good system (laughs) that wasn't at that time this was like I think five or six years ago I think yes five years ago I think nearly six um and yeah I must have told the story like honestly like 50 times that that one day like it was insane um yeah so I went into this room and then I remember they took me in a car, like an unmarked police car with my sister to some random place. I don't really remember like what it was, but I found myself in like this big like board room, um, like a big meeting room at this huge table with like me, police officers, like detectives, my sister. And by this point, like my mum and dad didn't even know, like it was just me and my sister. Like I think my sister told them at some point that day Um, and again, like just told the story again, a lot. Um, and they explained to me that if I wanted to, you know, go forward with this, that what I would have to do was go, um, they would have to take me to the Royal Women's Hospital. You know, they'd have to do all of like the, like examining and swabs and all of that. Um, So I was like, yep, okay, like I agreed. I I feel like I kind of like disassociated myself from the situation by this point and I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to do whatever they tell me to do. Um, I didn't really know what what was going to happen as a result of any of this. So, again, they drove me and my sister to the Royal Women's Hospital and then my mum met us there. So my sister had then told my mum and dad, I think, which was great because I didn't have to tell them you know, I think that would have just been like pretty heartbreaking for even my sister to have to tell them. So I think I'm really glad I didn't have to deal with that. Um Yeah, so we went to the Royal Women's and they put me in like a room with like this counselor lady. Um she was really lovely. And then they explained to me what was gonna happen. They said you're gonna have to get some photos taken of your body um, some swabs done, you know, in your mouth, um, you know, inside you, everything, you're going to probably have to get your, um, your clothes taken off you for evidence and everything. And I think my mom had maybe brought some other clothes with her. I think I'm not really sure. It's all a bit of a blur. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, from then on, I went into this kind of very, um, medical doctor's room, just Typically, like a hospital, like a, I mean, it is a hospital, so um, and then I, you know, did all of those things that they just told me, which was really confronting because, you know, 24 hours before that, I had no idea that this was gonna happen. So I was, you know, naked in this hospital room with this doctor. I can't even remember if it was a female or a male, but with this doctor, um, I had to strip down they took photos of my body, um, naked and it's for things like bruises and stuff. So I had, um, I had some bruises on my arms and I bruise, I, I bruise, you know, a little bit easily. Um, and I had these, I had bruises on my arm, like four fingers and a thumb on the other side, like I'd been, you know, grabbed and like held down. So they took photos of my bruises. They took the swabs from inside me. They took my clothes, everything. And then they explained to me that, um, you know, then I'd have to go and, you know, make my statement and everything. That was the next step. So it all happened, like, really quickly. Um, And then from there I went to this, um, the massive, massive police um, building in South Melbourne, I'm pretty sure, and I met this incredible policewoman called Rachel and she's, she was just amazing. Um, I had an incredible experience with her. And pretty much the next, I want to say like three days, um, I was in the police, this little room with, with her um, all day, every day for the next few days, writing my statement. We wrote an 11-page statement for the incident and my mum, I think, also had to come in and make a statement. My dad did, my sister did, and they basically said that anyone I had told had to make a statement. Um, So I had to, like, I think my friend who I'd told had to do a phone call statement or something. Um, So that was really, like, difficult asking that of my family as well, Um, getting them to, you know, be a part of that, that, Deeply, when like it's obviously traumatic for them seeing a sister or a daughter go through that, um, yeah. And I guess it was maybe like a week later at this at this point, and the police had contacted me and said, "Look, we're ready if you are um, to. We know we know where these guys are. Um, I given them all the information that I knew. I knew their names." Um, I knew their jobs, so they had obviously had enough information to, like, find them, Um, and they were at the stage where they were ready to, like, intercept them and basically question them. Um, And that, like, really, really, really freaked me out. Um, I kind of hadn't thought about it up until then about what the next kind of steps were. Um, The police had told me that. If, if, if I was to take this to court that it would be probably around if not more than two years before it would even get to court yeah. and that after that it would be a, a really long process um, to even, you know, get justice if I was to even get justice because it is such a, like there's just, there's not many people who've received, um, you know, full consequences for rape or sexual assault. Um, So they explained that all to me and like I was 18, like I was really young, you know, it was my first year out of school, like I only had finished school a few months beforehand Um, and I basically told the police um, that I wanted to cut it off and I didn't want to go forward, I did not want to take the next step so I had to go in, sign some papers to stop proceeding and um you know they told me look we're just letting you know that if you do you know choose to stop this process we are obligated to destroy your evidence which I didn't know yeah so so my physical evidence so like my underwear that I had been wearing motherfuckers I mean
2: I swear to god I'm and I've tried to you know I'm I want to let you you tell your story because you're in the swing I don't want to no, you're fine. But motherfucker, how the <laughs> fuck dare they, right? You are not, okay? Give it to the fucking hospital. Give, it to, give yeah. it to a lab. Give it to somebody. If you want to change your mind, you should be able to fucking do that. You should have a grace period. Give you six months to have a think about it. What the fuck?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. And obviously I know more now than I did then. And I kind of was just taking them for their word. Like I was, I was just like, oh, okay. So I, I I think I remember saying to them, so what happens if like down the track, I want to like reopen it. And they said, look, you can reopen it whenever you want 30 years down the track if you want to, but it's going to be a harder case because you're not going to have the evidence.
2: So it just seems like a broken system to me that is literally you know I commend the police in a lot of situations, and you know I went through the same thing, the evidence collection and everything and and I felt very much as loved in that moment as I could be. It's a hugely traumatic experience for years after every time that I would go and get a pap smear you mm. know i would it was really hard, I would always cry afterwards, and it was hard, but you know that they're doing it for the right reasons. And I respect the police officers for, for being integral and telling you exactly what the process would be. And they're not lying. They're not,
3: they're not trying to scare you. They're not trying they don't, to. They don't make the rules, obviously. You know, no. they don't make those regulations. But it, it did, it did it, I mean, now especially it seems so absurd that that is a rule you know like well just that you're not going to be supported
2: look where's the third party support system that comes in and says we are going to assist you with this process because it's going to take this long where the police link you in with somebody where somebody else is here you can't be the sole burden of proof you can't have your proof and evidence destroyed just because you've decided that you don't want to proceed with this at this time like Where's the fuck is the support? This is why the conviction rate is so low. This is why people are never held to account. Yeah. And it's not because, your fault. You know- like listening to this, you've painted a picture that is crystal clear. You've you've gone through this horrific assault and it is horrific. And, you know, if anybody was to say, but you were drinking, you weren't fucking conscious. And you know what? For your friends and that were in the room, they knew how drunk you were. That's on them too. So it's just... It is an absolutely disgusting scenario of circumstances and there is absolutely no way that this scenario is not a completely abhorrent sexual assault by two people who are egging each other on and degrading you as they are doing it. It's a hugely fucked up situation and I I can't say sorry to you enough, but I can't stand by and, you know, I've been interviewing survivors so often you know, and there's only been one other person who has come on and who has actually fully pressed charges and the the judge in her case said there wasn't enough evidence after the jury had gone out. So she told the jury that they weren't to make a conviction. Like I'm the only one yeah. in 19 episodes of somebody who has a conviction.
3: And you, you were and you were a and you were a child, and he was only given two years, and it wasn't even considered rape. It, I think is- it's like it's just absurd. Like I, yeah, it's really it's it's hard to understand, and um, like who knows? It's you kind of look back and you go like I don't know if they had if they had told me that they would could keep the evidence. Who knows? I might have gone back in six months and and continued that um that like that case. The line um, of inquiry, of course. There's evidence there. Yeah, like I or if they had gone, you know, okay, we get it. You're an 18-year-old girl. Um, you don't, you know, you you need support. Okay, let's give you this amount of time and you can think about it and blah, 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 blah. I might have I might have done it. I always say that if it happened to me now. I would, I would 100% go ahead with um, the case, 100%. And I don't regret cutting it off. I don't regret not, not going through with it because it was the right thing for me to do at the time. Absolutely. Um, like there were a lot of reasons why I didn't go through with it. Um, some of them I feel good about, and some of them I feel silly for one of them being like that I feel good about is because I was young I was scared I I was um I was just frightened and I I didn't know how this was all going to turn out I was 18 I wanted to just go and have fun I didn't want to be going to fucking court I didn't want to be dealing with the police um two years until my case even got to court yeah so I felt I felt good about that um some other ones that I now think god you just you didn't know and you were really young and you you didn't really understand is that I, and this is one thing that made people around me who knew about it, um, frustrated and angry, um, was because I felt bad for them and I didn't want to ruin their lives. And I, I, I just kept thinking to myself that these people have families and oh my God, what are they going to think? And like, I understand why I felt that way, but like I can, de- if, if it was my daughter, like, of course I would be, of course I would want her to press charges and I'd want her to go ahead. And, um, like I had many conversations with my mom who was like, you know, like, come on, like, let's do this. Like we can do it. And I was just like, you know, I, I, I don't want to. And it was frustrating for everybody. Another reason that I felt like I couldn't was because I was like, I'm fine. I was like, but I'm okay. You know, there's so many people who've had it worse. Um, and that was a big thing that I said to my mom. I said, look at me, like I'm not injured. I'm fine. I went back to work like the next week. I'm, you know, I'm not struggling. Like I'm, I'm okay. Why I don't need to... Push this forward, and yeah, that—that's you know, (laughs) it's something that I kind of—I don't regret not doing it, but at some you know, at some points, I am like, yeah, it it would have it would have if I if it happened to me now, I would I would do it. Yeah, Um, and I think it's
2: um, you know, I really relate to that feeling as well because. I lied consistently and I think we need to normalise lying as well. Like mm. you're not lying about the event occurring. You're not lying about key points, you know, in the story that you're telling. You're lying about how you're feeling afterwards. You're lying about how you're coping. And I just felt, you know, personally so afraid and so sick of everybody's sad eyes on me all the time you know I was Mm -hmm. feeling dead inside I was feeling like shit but everybody looked at me with these poor sad eyes like oh don't don't ask don't tell a joke in front of Maddie she's depressed because something bad (laughs) has happened and I wanted people to stop looking at me like a victim and talking to me like normal so I really pushed for being okay and pretending to be fine and I would break down on my own and you know, and that made me feel like, but I am okay sometimes. And, you know, other people have it worse than me. And that's such a thing between us all as survivors. It is not a comparison because I would consistently tell myself, mine's not bad enough. And, you know, even listening to these stories, a lot of them, I think, you know, these are so bad. Why is mine the one with the conviction? But then when you turn around, people say the same thing to me and go, but mine's nowhere near as bad as yours. So we're all doing the same thing, that same cycle of gaslighting ourselves
3: out of our own experiences. And yeah. And it's the easy thing to do when you're feeling scared and, you know, you, you know, you're young and you you don't want to go through with this and you just go, yeah, I'm okay. Um, you just kind of disassociate and you go, you know, I, and like I've, you know, heard the other people on your podcast saying the same thing, like about comparison and everything like that. And it is such a like reflex for us all to do to like compare ourselves. And it's easy for me to listen to the episodes before me and go, oh, well, mine's not as bad. And then I'm sure people might listen to my story and go, oh, well, that's, you know, worse than mine, or maybe that's not as bad as mine or, you know, everything. But like, bottom line is like, assault is assault rape is rape and we all are different and we all have our own experiences and you know we're all different ages and it just comes in all shapes and sizes and it's not it's not that classic like i've heard you guys talk about you know it's not that classic idea of someone getting raped in an alleyway like it's not always like that it's different for everybody yeah so for for me at that time that's that was what was right for me and you know like I really did feel as though I could move on afterwards and feel like I could go back to you know my normal life and I kind of just I just pushed it aside um the police told me like you've got se- sessions those like free sessions with um CASA like Center of Action for the Sexual Assault or Center Against Center Sexual Against Assault. Sexual Assault yep Yeah. Um, And so I was like, okay, well, I think they said you've, at the time, I really remember them saying you've got five, but now it seems to be like 10. I'm not really sure. But they basically told me I had these sessions and I, I kind of pushed against it. Like to my mom, I was like, I don't need them. I don't need them. And then I decided I'd go, I'd just, I'd see what it was about. And so I went, I think I went for two sessions. Yeah, I think it was two sessions and it was. It was good like it was it was helpful um but again I was just in that headspace of being like I don't need this I'm fine I want to move on with my life so after two sessions I was like that's fine that's enough um I'm not getting anything else out of this um I'm gonna just stop and move on and I guess like that's where that kind of ends and the other stuff that I want to talk about is obviously You know, the years after and incidents that have come up that, you know, bring it up again and relationships afterwards. And so I find it interesting.
2: And I would love to ask, you know, a police officer this answer why, you know, you said that you had left the apartment, you had gone out for lunch with your friend, you had told your sister you were still in the same clothes at this time, you know, by. You've by all, you know. You're wearing on your face, in your mouth, in in any orifice, in any circumstance. You're wearing the evidence. Why the fuck would they tell you to go home, and come in the next day? Like for me, the evidence collection in that point is primary. And as an investigator, these are things that they would know. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that
3: question me is a question that, yeah. Look, that that is and. Honestly, I hadn't even I hadn't even thought of that. To be honest, um, yeah, that is a really good question because you know I think I went home and took those clothes off, obviously, and um, I think I yeah I, I'm I think I must have brought them with me the next day. I think the police said obviously bring them with you or something. Mm-hmm. I'm just, um, just assuming that you would have had a shower and brushed your teeth and. That's, that's very true. Yeah. And on the topic of, um, giving, uh, destroying the evidence and everything, I think what happened was, um, obviously they destroy like this swabs and everything like that, I'm guessing. And I, I still to this day, don't know if like that means that they would have destroyed like my statement, like if that's gone. And I actually would love to find out if I can get my statement you know and 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 read it and see it but i don't even know if they'd still have it um, well we can i'll but, do that with you of course um i went through a freedom of information
2: request luckily i mm-hmm. i also work in state government so i'm a bit i'm used to the systems a little bit
3: yeah <laughs> but no, for you you yeah. went you went through with it so it was in there so i wonder if mine would look, would I, be there i reckon they don't charge
2: you if there's nothing there they can look for it i reckon you could go to um, the Victoria Police Freedom of Information, you can make that request. And um, they charge you like $29, I think, and then they'll refund it back to you if they don't find the information or they'll give you some information on it and say it was destroyed at this time on this date. But that was my other question as well. When they say destruction of evidence, is that destruction of swabs and clothing, etc. However, there is a report that states that the evidence collected was a match to X, Y, and Z person. So it would be interesting to see the state of the case to see if there could be something that you could go forward with if you chose to.
3: Yeah, I would be interested to find that out as well. Um, with the clothes and everything, weirdly enough, um, a couple of weeks after I decided to stop um, the case going forward, um, the police woman that I had dealt with, she... Um, she brought me back my clothes but washed, I think. So like I don't, yeah, because like I don't think she brought them back dirty to me and I don't remember if there was like if she brought back underwear. I remember she brought back my pants, my little bandeau top and I think my bra but like I don't think my undies were even in there and if they were, I think she had they were washed, so I don't know. It's such a bizarre thing. Like why? Like I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, I don't
2: know. Would I remember getting mine back? Actually, that sparked a memory, and I think mine were washed. Yeah, mine was after because, the case, but why would you? I mean, maybe it's just like a. Not a usual police practice, but nobody wants to get their evidence back covered in evidence. Maybe they do it to be nice, but like I would rather you just throw them out to be honest. Thank you. Me,
3: me, I know me too. Um, I don't know if I've ever worn well, I think the pants are my friends, and I don't think I've ever worn any of the other stuff again. I think I threw it out like it's not something I really want to remember. Um, yeah, so look, I don't know. There's yeah, like, um, I've had some stuff like come up in the in the years since and I've and I'll go into that like in a little bit but what that's kind of led me to was going back to get some more counselling sessions from casa um and the counsellor that I had there was was great and because I was so I kept saying oh if it if it were to happen now I would go through with it and she was the one who was like you know you can go through with that case. Like you you, you don't have to, you you, you know, it doesn't have to happen again for you to go through with something. You, you could go forward with that. And I, it kind of shocked me because I don't know why, I just hadn't really considered even picking the case up again. Um, and I had a good hard think about it and I kind of came to the decision of, I think, I didn't want to because of the whole, you know, awareness that they were destroying the evidence and that it would be a harder case. And it was, you know, five years later, six years later. um, And that I've really moved on with my life and everything. But I felt kind of silly because I keep saying, you know, if it happened now I'd go through with it. Yeah. I'm so much stronger now. I would definitely go through with it. Like why wouldn't I? And then she was like, you can. And I was like, Oh fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was like, shit, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> I had to kind of, like, grapple with that and be like, okay, well, maybe if it did happen now, I would, but maybe I'm not going to with the past case, which I think is, it's okay too. I just, that whole destroying of the evidence really kind of puts you off, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it's a bit like, why would I, if if they've already told me, it's going to be a lot harder. Mm. So.
2: Well, I think um, there are other options as well available to you. Um, So lucky in Victoria, we uh, have access to this wonderful system called VOCAT, Um, and VOCAT is a Victims of Crime Assistance Tribunal. And basically the burden of proof there is less you don't get a criminal conviction. It is a civil process. But through these circumstances, you can get, um, you know, funding and money back. And it is to support you through things like this. So the mental anguish and paying for additional counselling and therapy and, you know, splurging and going to see a a bloody trauma informed counsellor that's $300 for half an hour. You know what I mean? That can be stuff as well. And, you know, to actually have something to say that you were right could be something really worthwhile. But That's that's something that is available to people in Victoria, and you do not have to have a conviction to go there. However, having one obviously does help. Mm. You can also yes go through Freedom of Information. There Mm. is no one portal, which is annoying. Like you can't just send a thing out to Freedom of Information, uh, State of Victoria and then all of the departments collate all their information, you've got to go to the right location. So when I was looking into mine, I think I found mine, I went to VicPol first, it wasn't there, but because mine had gone through prosecutions prior to a certain year, it was, I think, the Office of Public Prosecutions. So, look, there there is digging to do. When people have gone through it, we've got so much information in our head because we've done it before, so I'm more than happy to support you if you want to do that. Um and I think that that's a wonderful thing, that there are other options out there. And I think the other thing that we speak about on this podcast so much is that getting a conviction isn't always what you need to get to a point to move forward.
3: Mm. That's, that's really true, yeah. And that's like something that has, you know, some people who might be close to you, it's hard for them to understand um because they obviously want you know these people to you know have consequences for what what they've done like for me i like obviously i'm 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 never going to say that i'm like thankful f- that for for it happening i'm you know it's not it's not a great experience obviously um it's awful it's traumatic and it leads to you know ongoing trauma and um difficulties but i am thankful for the outcome that I've kind of found like what I want to do with myself um you know like I'm studying social work in hopes to be a counsellor for women who've been through what I've been through and what you've been through and you know working for an organization like CASA or like something similar or and that's part of the reason why like I reached out to you is because just starting even not professionally for me just starting that conversation and helping you know other women similar to me or not similar to me um who've been through these traumatic assaults opening that conversation and um helping women realize how common it is and everything so I am thankful for the outcomes um of of my experience um Yeah, I'm grateful that it's led me to like what I'm doing, obviously.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I always ask victims to reframe that in a way because I know what you're trying to say, but you're thankful for your post-traumatic growth, which you are responsible for. Not one single other motherfucker in this world is responsible (laughs) for that other than you. You're the one that put the hard work in. You're the one that's gone to the counselling, sought help, worked on yourself and figured out this is an area you want to go into. You and yourself only are responsible for your post-traumatic growth and never give that, give that credit to somebody that was the one that was the perpetrator. And I know that's not what you're saying, but I think if you yeah. find a way to rephrase it like that, like I'm the one that's accountable for my own post-traumatic growth, I'm a fucking hero, I'm a warrior, I'm a legend, fuck yes, love me. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: We don't that's wanna- I love that yeah that's so true, you know and I'm not yeah i, I never want to give those men or boys power um you know yeah you're right i'm 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 grateful to how I handled the situation and how i've grown since since my experience because yeah like it's it's been a it's been a journey obviously, like it's not an overnight thing, and you know it's only taken me five years to like figure it all out, and I'm still you know, learning, I'm still, it still gets brought up for me. Like it's still, I only got more counselling last year and that was, was it last year? Yeah. At the start of this year. I don't know. It wasn't that long ago that I went back for more counselling and, and that wasn't even the first time that I, I knew I should, I just really didn't want to reopen that wound. And even though it had already been reopened by some circumstances, um, which I'd love to go into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a um, support worker in disability. Um, that's my what I do for work. And I was at this time working for a day program at like a, a center kind of thing. And I was working with groups of people with disabilities. And there was, um, I was there <laughs> this one day, um, and I'm only laughing because like it, like I just cannot believe it happened. Um, I was working in this kind of classroom with, um, a group of people and I was walking past this boy and I think he, yeah, he, he had autism and I was walking past him and he was talking to his friend and showing him something on the computer. And, um, he was showing him like photos of somebody on Google images. And I walked past and I heard him say like, Oh, his friend was like, who is that? And he was like, Oh, it's my cousin. And I look at the screen and there's like 50 photos of one of the guys who raped me. And I just froze. And I was just like, what, like, what the fuck? So it was this client of mine's cousin. And it's just, you know, obviously I'm at work. I don't expect to have to face this problem here. Like I'm in a professional environment. What the fuck is going on basically? So I run outside, I burst into tears and I'm just like in total shock. Like what has even happened? And luckily, like I work in a very caring um, industry. Everybody is very, you know, supportive and caring and loving. And my boss um, had kind of seen that I was upset for some reason and I went into the toilet and I was crying in there and she was waiting outside the toilet for me when I came out and she was like what's going on and I was like it's fine it's fine it's fine and she said come on come into my office so I went and sat in her office and she gave me a a cuddle which was really nice and she was like what's going on and she's actually worked in the sexual violence sector before um so, I basically told her everything. I told her my story. I told her what I had seen on the laptop, and she was like, "Wow, okay, um, this is a very unexpected situation. It's not something you really think you're gonna come across um like so you're she m- for." no that's right so she asked me if I had um gotten any counseling for it recently and I said no I haven't um I think she said I think maybe you should you should look into that um I said yeah and then it was still a year after that until I actually looked into doing that um but she was amazing she um made sure that that boy wasn't going to be in my uh, my group anymore just in case you know um and that was just really, really, really traumatic. Like it was fucking awful. I was just like, can I not be anywhere <laughs> and not yeah. expect to run into this problem? Like how the fuck is this even happening? Um, another another way that it kind of came up for me is because obviously those guys were friends with with some people I knew. So there would be times where I'd be kind of looking through like, Instagram or Snapchat stories and their faces would just pop up on my phone right in front of me. And it would be like, bam, there they are. And it would be like my friends hanging out with them. And yeah, the girl that, um, whose birthday it was, I had told her what had happened, um, kind of shortly after the whole police, um, experience. And she, she believed me um, and she actually went to the, the guys who did it and, um, told, like, she kind of asked them, she, 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 I told her and then she went to them and she said, you know, Bell's saying that you guys like raped her and like, what, what's going on? This is what she said. And they, um, she told me that their reaction was, oh, what are you talking about? Like she wanted it, like she wanted to have sex with us um, completely just denied everything and, you know, no, no, um, talking about the fact that I wasn't awake or anything. Um, and obviously no one else was there to, you know, attest to the fact that I, I wasn't. Um, so that was kind of that experience. Another fucked up experience I had was this guy that I knew who I won't name, but I now have, um, zero respect for, he actually was um, the guy that I had my first time with, um, which, you know, is always kind of supposed to hold a bit of a special place in your heart. Um, turns out that he was friends with one of the guys who had raped me. And um, I saw him post um, a story of him. So I, I reached out to him and I said, hey, um, I know, like, we don't talk much, but, like, I just, I wanted to let you know that um, this is what happened and this is what, like, your friend did to me because I would want to know if one of my friends was a rapist um, and I wouldn't, I don't think I would be able to be friends with them anymore. Um, So I told him and he basically said, um, like, that's not my problem. He's never done anything to me. And that was... Okay, That was honestly just really fucked up coming from, you know, that's like full circle, like somebody who you've had this experience with um, who, you know, you, you kind of trusted or whatever and then finding out that that's how they felt about someone who had done this awful thing to you. Um, it was just like really fucked up and obviously I, I like <laughs> haven't spoken to him since and like, yeah, there's just, there's been a, a lot of kind of little things like that that have come up and that's what led me back to, you know, getting some more counselling for it um, because you, you there's probably always going to be things that come up for you, you know, like you can't um, prepare, like you said, for every situation. Yeah, and I really
2: mirror some of those experiences because honestly as you were writing it, as you are saying it, I wrote down um, the cafe So I used to work in a cafe in hospitality and my, yeah, my perpetrator after he'd left jail, walked (sighs) in. I'm never going to forget this cunt's face. I mean, I had to see it so often, especially as well. Like I went through court and he walked in and I just froze instantly. And I ran down the stairs and I said to one of my colleagues, like, I can't work. This is the situation. She knew already about it. She had gone to school with me and then we went on and everything was fine. And, um, one of the other girls I think who was like the shift manager that day had said something snarky kind of like, well, you haven't really worked today. Or like, you know, you're going to have to stay and do something because you haven't, I think I had asked to leave or something. Like I was not in a good way. So after he had left, I know. And she just didn't show any respect or any kindness or any empathy towards it. I understand we're in hospitality. It's stressful. There's
3: shit to do, but like,
2: but that have was some
3: terrific. fucking humanity, like have have some fucking empathy for someone yeah. going through. And I remember as well, like the
2: the girl whose father it was, um, her and I tried to stay friends for a long time. And then I think once we had severed those ties, once she'd done that around her 21st birthday where she'd invited him and not told me all of that, then it was Instagram photos on Father's Day and Facebook photos on Father's Day and Instagram stories and then then he's in the background of my friend's Instagram stories and I had that moment where I went look if you don't have any ounce of respect for me in this situation like I don't even care so I just blocked everybody mm-hmm. and I think some people had said about it that that I was immature or blah, blah blah and it's like you know I don't fucking need to see that and you know I was on a date last week and he was asking me these questions about, Oh, but this, Oh, but that let's play devil's advocate. I'm fucking sick of devil's advocate because if you're in, if you're in this situation, right. When you've been abused, it's not just the one time and it's not just the memory that you have. It's the constant things that we've got bombarding our brains every day, causing us additional trauma And then you feel fucking shit because it's affecting you and it happened five years ago and you should be over it by now. And then you're fucking crappy because you did go to counselling and you are fine and now you're not. You know, like these are the mind games that you fucking play with yourself and it's so hard to get to a point that you're okay because this is what we have to deal with. This is life.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, I can't. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that, that would have been a lot having to face him especially after he's like gone to jail and and gotten out after a very short sentence in my opinion a three, very short sentence <laughs> yeah wow yeah um yeah I suppose it's kind of an ongoing thing that if you haven't kind of severed all those ties that you kind of I, I do see him still of both of those people still um Kind of pop up every now and then, and um, yeah, it's definitely a shock to the system every time because you just don't expect it. Um, but yeah, there's certain measures you can take, like blocking and trying to make sure that you don't see these people. But yeah, they tend absolutely. to pop up anyway. You know, one other thing I wanted to kind of talk about was um, my experience with like relationships um, after after my experience um so I've had like quite a few varying experiences I suppose um my first so this happened in February and then I got into my first um long-term relationship the following November I met this guy in October he was a fair bit older than me I was 18 he was 24 which I now find little creepy, but, um, I was like mad. I fell madly in love with him. He was, um, you know, amazing at the time. I loved him a lot. And, um, you know, there was, we were uh, quite far into the relationship and I I hadn't shared with him, um, what had happened to me. And I'd been meaning to, I was like, yeah, I think I want to share this with him. Just not sure how to bring it up. Like it's not, you know, something small that you just kind of bring up. So I was, I was verging on, talking about it I was ready to talk about it and then we went um we went out one night and I didn't really see it at the time but now looking back on our relationship um a lot of it was a little controlling um I would kind of come out in things to wear out and he would tell me to get changed because um you know he could see too much or put a bra on because you can see your nipples or you know um your, you know, skirt or sure if I was wearing a little jumpsuit, too short, too revealing, like just shit like that, that
1: yeah.
3: went over my head because I was so in love with him. And now I'm just like, wow, that's just, fucked up. What a, yeah, um, what a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, so this one night we were having, we were out and we were having a fight about, something i was wearing i was wearing this little halter neck jumpsuit i felt fucking fantastic i had done my hair and makeup like i felt great i looked great i was just like feeling confident i was like yes fuck yes gonna have a good night and we went to this place and like um you know i was kind of separate to the group for a bit and i was just kind of sitting talking to this person as you do you just talk to strangers on a night out and i had my feet up like kind of on like a chair or something and he came up and like slapped my thigh slash like ass, like really fucking hard, like not playfully, like really hard. Like there was a mark on my leg and he was like kind of pulled me away and was just like, did that guy you were even talking to know that you even had a fucking friend? I could see your fucking underwear, the way you were sitting and all this stuff. So I was really upset. We were having this huge fight after that and on, um, I didn't mean for it to come up, but that this situation is how I ended up, um, making him aware of what I'd gone through. And it was because I was like, I said something about, you know, being treated poorly by guys in the past. And he said some off the cuff comment, like, what did you fucking get raped or something? And this is in the middle of like a club. (laughs) And, um, I just looked at him and I said, Yeah yeah, like I I have, I've been raped. And he was just like, and um, unfortunately his um, reaction was anger Um, and it wasn't anger at the situation, it was anger towards me. He was was angry almost that like I had let it happen um, to myself and he was just really fucking angry and he actually stormed out of the club. He left um, after I had shared this incredibly vulnerable thing with him, he just fucked off. And I think he came back like half an hour later and I had like cried all my makeup off and I was just a mess. And yeah, we went home and I just forgave him because he said something nice afterwards. And so that was my first experience of really telling a proper boyfriend. And that was a really big shame because that's a really hard thing to tell someone. Um, so then after that relationship, um, he ended up cheating on me and dumping me, <laughs> so fuck that. <laughs> um, he sounds like an idiot anyway, so that's good. Oh, he, he, he is. He, he is. <laughs> um, but I went on to date this lovely guy um, and because of my experience with my ex, I never told that guy ever. And he was aware that something had happened. I had mentioned that I had had an experience like that, but I never told him the story. I never went into detail. I never told him my experience. Nothing, um, because I had been scarred with my last experience of telling yeah. my ex boyfriend. Um, so that was a shame. And then my current boyfriend that I'm with, who is incredible. Um, he was just beautiful when when he found out. He was um, really sad. Um, obviously, really quite just devastated that that had happened to me, um, angry, but not in an awful way, angry at the people that had done it, but never angry towards me. Um, just really supportive and really sad. Like we would, he could, it was, it was really beautiful. He really, he was, I was vulnerable with him and then he was vulnerable with me and, um, Yeah. To this day, like he gets, you know, emotional about it still like, um, yeah, he's, he's just like beautiful about it, but like, it's, yeah, I've heard, I've heard people on podcasts on the previous episodes talking about that angry, um, aggressive response that some people have, you know, whether it's family, like I think someone said their dad was really angry. And was that you? Maybe I'm not really sure. Someone was, someone, you know, has that angry response and it's just, it's just not the way to react to somebody who's sharing their trauma with you. Um, And it can compound the trauma and compound the grief, unfortunately, and it can make it worse. And it can stop people from sharing in the future. And, you know, I'm grateful that I even got the guts up to share it. Ever after that, after I had that shit experience. Um, yeah, very varying experiences with um boyfriends on that. Yeah. And I think, yeah. So when my dad, his anger was
2: in the police station towards the offender, you know, Mm. but the reaction wasn't towards me, you know. And I think I do talk about that often because, you know, if somebody is sharing their most most vulnerable experiences or anything like that, like Can we create the knowledge out there that you've got a few key phrases you can go back to? You know, you don't know what to say. Nobody really does. You don't get okay with listening to and hearing these things. I often don't know what to say as well. But I usually go back and say, I'm so sorry that that's happened to you because you want to acknowledge the pain there, you know, and I think I'm so sorry that that's happened to you or how are you feeling now about it? Ask them a question or do you want to talk about it, you know? Be yeah. vulnerable with the person or, or just say, you know, I'm here if you ever want or, you know. Yeah. There are so many ways that you can respond well to a survivor and I think that doesn't mean you can't be angry. You can be angry and you can also yes. leave the survivor, walk outside and punch a wall <laughs> or yeah. Go to a mate's place and, and vent about how angry you are about it or something, but you don't do that to them. That's not your place. They're coming to you for comfort and love, not for fucking, not to manage your emotions.
3: Yes. 100%. I think that especially being like my first experience with telling like an intimate partner was pretty, yeah, pretty fucking traumatizing in itself. Um, I I myself can't ever imagine reacting like that. So it's hard to understand. Um, Of course, when people share their stories with me, I'm angry that it's happened, but I'm not going to fucking get angry at the survivor who's been through this shit and make them feel bad for letting it happen. In inverted comments, because I realise we're on a podcast and you can't see me making any <laughs> inverted comments. This <Yeah. laughs> um, is an audio medium. <laughs> yes, I have to remember. Um, <laughs> yeah. So look. Um, yeah. Anyway, I just. Um, I think as, like and and also like with other people that I have shared this with, like. Um, and I've heard other people talk about it with you after you kind of go through something like this, it if you are comfortable talking about it, like I have most of the time found myself, I'm really comfortable talking about it now, and I have most of the time have been comfortable with talking about it. and it's honestly just been astounding um, hearing like what what a high percentage of people come back to it with their own story. Um, you know, majority of my friends um one of my yeah well the girl that I was with the next day who you know told me what it, what it was and who kind of told me to tell my sister she then shared with me that um a very sad story about what had happened to her when she was a child um for many years from a family member and then another friend my one of my best friends to this day shared with me a story that happened to her when she was 14 um 15 um you know, another friend of mine, like there's just endless, endless, um, stories and experiences. And although it's really fucking sad and super fucked up, it is so important, um, to be talking about it and to open up the conversation because I have only been able to do that through having my own experience. And yeah, it's fucking hard to talk about it sometimes, but what you're doing is yeah, you're bringing that light to the situation and you're giving people a platform to not only talk about it, but also then start that conversation on your Instagram or your text messages, your, you know, actual face-to-face conversations. Like that's going to allow so many people to heal and, um, to just vent and talk about things, get things off their chest, be heard, be listened to, um, feel like seen and, I know that when I've listened to your your podcast, I think it even was it was Zoe actually who spoke about um, feeling as though at some point that she was almost making it up, yeah, and yeah. like she was um, she wasn't she was she was she was lying. She felt like she was making making it up. She she began to actually realize her believe her own um, like being gaslighting herself about the fact that no, actually maybe this isn't true. Maybe you're making this up. And I can really, really, really relate to that because the longer it kind of went on, the more that I was like like, I don't know. Like maybe I just slept with these people. Like, am I even remembering this correctly? Am I fabricating this in my head? Am I being dramatic? <laughs> like am I just being a princess? And like did I actually just have like consensual sex and it's like fuck no like the fact that our brains have that ability to like make us think that um we are making this shit up is is so it's really confusing Mm -hmm. and as someone going through it it can be really really difficult to like differentiate that and realize that no like I I am telling the truth it's just because it came back to me over a few days or over the span of 24 hours doesn't mean I'm making it up doesn't mean I'm lying these flashbacks in my head that I'm having they're not fake they're real and it's such a common thing for people to have so that really resonated me with what 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 Zoe said 100 percent
2: and I think even if you take it back to being drunk, just being drunk on a night out, how many times do you randomly halfway through the day, the next day, remember, oh, shit, I got a kebab last night, didn't I? Or something like <laughs> And you just yes. remember things and you've completely forgotten them or somebody prompts you and you remember a moment. It's not always yeah. to do with this. And it makes sense to me that you've been intoxicated, possibly drugged, who knows, the night before. Regardless of it, you weren't in a Space where you were able to give consent because you're intoxicated you were not you know let's say 99.9 sure that you are unconscious if not you weren't aware of your surroundings that's the same fucking thing did you give enthusiastic consent no were you happy to be there no did they continue yes so these this is this is sexual assault and it's I understand. And, and I've done the same thing. And I I've done the same thing so much because there are fuckwits that are out there that consistently say that I'm lying. And I get worried that there's going to be like a guy with a clipboard that's going to come and call me out. And I don't know what he would call me out on. Cause I haven't lied. Mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. fear that I have. And it, it sits with me because you've got this underlying tension, I think from other people that that's going to happen. And it, you know, I think you are, have to be authentic to yourself and know that. But it is hard to to have that faith in yourself all of the time, especially yeah. with the discourse I- through the media. You know, like you were drinking, yes. oh. so you know that there are yeah. going to be a lot of people who are going to blame you for that. And you know, there were two guys there. There were people in the room. There are people who will validate the the whatever. Girls shouldn't drink. You were wearing a crop top. The the, the list goes on about things that we know that people are going to say especially if this became public, especially if it turned into a smear campaign against you.
3: Yeah. And like there's there's been a lot of conversations I've had with people, um, you know, since my assault happened. And it's not even in reference to my experience. It's just in terms of sexual assault and rape in general. And it is that whole, um, yes, but, you know, you're putting yourself in danger. You shouldn't be drinking that much. And it's um, like, it's, it's people that are, like it have been close to me in the past and like are, are still and it's confronting because they they know what's happened um, to you and they still have those those feelings and those opinions and it's just like how the fuck are you how are you that backwards? Like I know that when I went and saw one of the counselors at Casa, um, it was a, a man and he was he was amazing. He was the one that I saw um, the first time I went straight afterwards and he said to me, And it's such a um, simple concept, but it's always stuck with me, him saying it. He went, you should be able to get as fucking drunk as you want and pass out in the corner of a room and not be fucking raped. (laughs) And I was like, thank you. Wow. Yes, that is so true. And to hear it from a counsellor in a sexual violence sector and somebody who, yeah, I just think that that, that's how everybody should... um, should kind of think it's not how everybody does think um and unfortunately like that is such a common uh response that whole oh but she was drinking what was she wearing (laughs) um was she yeah was she was she drunk um it's it's really sad that that's such a common thing but it's definitely yeah it's definitely something that I've had to have conversations about about other people um Yeah, I also, there's also been instances where I've had conversations with people who they, people that I'm not particularly close to, for example, somebody I I work with, a client of mine at the moment, um, sometimes when they think, you know, you're happy because I've shared something, they think that you're kind of open to talking about this stuff all the time. And it's like, well, you know, we are allowed to have other conversations. I don't want to be talking about sexual assault and rape at work all day, every day, and people kind of not realizing that, like, if you have shared this with 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 them, that you might, you know, not want to talk about challenging conversations at all. Like, um, I think somebody t- talked to me about some politician who had, um, allegedly raped, um, a sex worker or something. And obviously my, it gets fucking awful. And my, my client was kind of like, yeah, but she's a sex worker. So like, you know, he'd paid her and I was just like, um, and I obviously like, I, I, I'm, I'm going to bite back at that because I'm not going to fucking sit back and, and, and let you talk about something like that in that way. So I went, um, you know, just in the same instance that um, I could consent and then I could withdraw my consent and that is not consensual. If I then withdraw my consent, you know, we're humans. We are allowed to change our minds. We are ever-changing, you know. If this sex worker was, you know, being paid by this man and then he um, proceeded to creep her out or do something she didn't enjoy or... He, she just wanted him to fuck off for whatever reason she wanted because she's a human and she's allowed to do that she can withdraw her consent and she can say no and that is rape. if you continue like that's just a fact that's how it is and the fact that people can argue on that and think that you know you're happy to just argue on these things mm-hmm. because you've shared something with them is yeah astounds me
2: I think it's like people look at it it is patriarchy and it is being able to look at certain women in a certain way this is why I have such a problem with people saying innocent victims because it insinuates that there are not innocent victims and that's a ridiculous statement to make nobody deserves to be attacked and murdered and raped or anything like that that's disgusting you know but if you put it into the context text that maybe somebody else could understand, if you're a tradie and you have been hired to do a job at somebody's house and then you decide that the job's not worth doing or not that you want to do it or it's going to be too hard or it's going to cost too much or it's not going to be a good, whatever the fuck reason you want, somebody then locks you in the house and forces you to work until the job is done, then maybe do you understand the concept that that service has now been withdrawn and they're allowed to do that? Just because it's sex, and just because it is a sex worker, and just because it is a woman, does not mean that you have power over them, and it does not mean that they're any less value as humans. They're providing a service; it's a different thing.
3: Hundred percent. And even when you are providing a service and it is a transaction, you are human, and you are allowed to change your mind, and you are allowed to withdraw consent at any time. And yeah, it baffles like it, it 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 baffles me that some people don't agree with that and don't don't get that um yeah and it, and it's a conversation like obviously as a survivor like people sometimes you give them an inch and they take a mile like they they just assume that um you live and read this and you want to talk about this and you're like and it's like you know I've I want to talk about other things like I don't want to just live and breathe this one topic like it's it's not like that you know it's like I remember I was talking to you the other day on the phone about how um the survivor support network that you created and how um you know some people might think that um you just catch up and talk about sexual assault all the time and it's like no like just regular people catching up having fun talking about normal things and um and that's what that's just normal. You don't always want to talk about um, your trauma and other people's trauma. No, it's just getting a group of like-minded individuals together that kind of get it,
2: you know, and a lot of people yeah. want to come and they don't want to speak about it or they want to listen in or, you know, they don't mm-hmm. want to let people like, it doesn't really matter. We're just a group of people that want to catch up, that have a vested yeah. interest in, in this specific area. It's the same
3: as any kind of group that's got a mutual interest, I guess. So, you know, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of backtracking a little, but, yeah. um, at the time of, of the assault, I was staying with, um, like before and after I was staying with my, um, one of my best friends at the time. And, um, the night that I was leaving to go out, um, they had just arrived home and were really, 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 really upset. And they were crying and, um, wouldn't really tell me why, and um, you know, I got to the point where I had to leave and go out, and they were fine. So I was like, okay, I'll just, you're okay. I'll, I'll see you in the morning. And um, I came home, you know, after I'd done all that statement and stuff the next day and everything. And um, I told them what had happened. And um, they proceeded to tell me that um, the same thing had happened to them the night before, <gasps> um, within like 24 hours of, of what happened to me. Um, which was like, what the fuck, you know, like what are the chances? Um, obviously it was devastating um, and it was really interesting to go through that process with someone who had literally just gone through the same thing as you. Um, I then passed on all of my information that I had to them and they continued on the same road that I, I did, um, just a day behind maybe they did a statement they did all of the stuff that I did I'm pretty sure and then I think we both called it off on the on the exact same day and we had a lot of discussions about it and we were both in the exact same boat we just didn't want to go forward so that was like very 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 confronting to find that something so similar had happened to them literally the night before and then I had left and I had gone out and then the same thing had happened to me so just really fucked up all around and just like astounding really um, pretty amazing to have like your best friend to go through it with um, if you want to look at it that way <laughs> yeah glass half full. If you want to yeah. look yeah if you want to look at it for the silver lining but yeah pretty um That's yeah, devastating just, yeah yeah it was but um yeah i think they had the pretty much the exact same reasons that I did for everything and pretty much I'm so, I'm so sorry that you have you've gone through that but I think
2: everybody listening and myself um, have this same feeling you have done so much incredible with the growth you've made afterwards and even being able to go through what you went through in terms of making the statement disclosing it 50 times to different cops getting taken you know All of these things are hugely traumatic in and of themselves. And to put yourself into now a situation where you want to work on it and work with survivors every day and become a social worker, I think that's just an incredible testament to your resilience and determination to make sure that this will not define who you are, that this will be a part of your life, but it won't won't make you. And you know, I say this to so many survivors and I think you're a living, breathing evidence of it is that there is so much life after abuse. There's so much life out there and it might take a while to get started and it might take a while to start to really enjoy it, but there is.
3: Yeah, 100%. And I, you know, I'd like to say that it is obviously an ongoing thing and, um, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, there is things that come up and you do have to communicate with people who are close to you, you know, with a partner when things might, you know, bring stuff up might make you uncomfortable. Um, things might trigger you, which I know has happened to me in the past with relationships. And even in my current relationship, it's just continuing that conversation. And, um, you know, you, you have to, no one, no one's a mind reader. You have to, um, you know, be vulnerable and, and open. And as much as it doesn't define you, um, it can affect you and that is okay. And that's, that's something that you know um it might happen every now and then um and that doesn't make you fucked up it doesn't make anything and um yeah it is just something that um i'm 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 still learning about it and i really 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 hope to help um women and anyone who has gone through this um both by like doing this and spreading the word and opening up this conversation and also through hopefully my my future work i've still got three and a half years left of my studies (laughs) um but I I really hope to to do that in the future and help help people the way that I've I've been helped um but there is definitely such a way to support people um even not professionally just by doing you know things like opening up the conversation doing what you're doing is is amazing so very very um yeah grateful that to your podcast and for having me on to chat
2: Oh, thank you so much. That was such a good response. And I do usually ask people, I think you might have covered a few things there anyway, but, yeah, if, if somebody's going through this now or, or somebody listening to it is going through something similar to you, what would your advice be to them?
3: My advice would probably be to, like, if you, I know it's hard, but if you can, um, to share um, I know that can be difficult, and some people aren't as comfortable talking about it. But even if you have one person that you can, you know, vent to or um, just tell your situation to, often that can really be the beginning of um, your journey. And I, I like to say, like, if you, if anybody is listening to this and and they don't have somebody to share it with. Um, jump into my DMs, like message me. Um, I would love to talk, um, on Instagram. Like I'm, I'm, I'm on there. (laughs) We can chat. I love, I love, I love hearing people's stories and making new friends. And, um, I know it can be really hard to share, especially if you know that the person you're sharing with hasn't been through something. So sometimes talking to somebody, who you know has been through something similar can be really beneficial and helpful. Um, so I would say sharing, um, but also just just remembering that um, every everyone is different, and try not to compare yourself to um, you know big media stories that are you know different to yours, or even comparing to other people in this podcast. Just remembering that everybody is so incredibly different, and just because you have. Um, dealt with your experience in one way um, doesn't make you less than more than it doesn't change anything everybody deals with things differently so yeah I guess
2: that would be my advice absolutely that's great advice I think and I really really mirror that sentiment so if people want to reach out to you where can they find you
3: Uh, they can find me on Instagram I guess is probably the best way Um, my Instagram is Bell. Duke. bell is b-e-l-l-e dot duke which is d-u-k-e and that is me jump in have a chat if you want yep. here here always
2: <laughs> i'll make sure that the links are in, in the show notes of this episode as well so um we do have the survivor support network available to on facebook um and to get to that you can follow the link tree forward slash reclaim me or find that link on my Instagram profile at madheat underscore or at reclaimmepod. Um, we see you, we hear you, we believe you, we love you so much. Thank you so much for joining me, Belle. For now, this is Reclaim Me, signing out. This content may have been distressing or triggering for some listeners. In Australia, for national crisis support, please contact Lifeline on one three one 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 four. For more resources, please see the show notes for this episode.